there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week... We have rewatched yet another Indiana Jones picture. Yes, we are officially out of spooky season. Aw. Well, you know what that means, though? It's time for Christmas! No! Christmas music! Cue the music! <laughs> I like Christmas music. I get it. I understand. But it's November. Uh-huh. We haven't even hit Thanksgiving yet. Uh-huh. We don't need Christmas music. No! We need to prepare mentally for the beauty that is Christmas. Uh. And I know what people are thinking... Frankie, how can we have a good Christmas when friggin' Amazon isn't even delivering their shit on time? There will be no presents. It's like a fucking Christmas special. We don't need presents. We just need family and love and cheer, damn it. And part of that cheer is Christmas music. I don't want a lot for Christmas. But yes, since Frankie has brought up family and cheer and all the happiness, let's go to our actual movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Released in 1989. Probably the second best Indiana Jones movie. I would agree, although Steven Spielberg said it was his favorite of the franchise. It's very much a father-son vehicle. Yeah. Especially how Sean Connery and Harrison Ford acted. Yes, Harrison Ford, of course, plays Indy. And then the father, Henry, is played by the late, great Sean Connery. A mere three years after his work in Highlander, which we discussed on an earlier episode. Yeah, I actually brought this question up to Frankie earlier. Even though he has played James Bond Mm -hmm. for many, many of movies. Which also we did an episode on... The James Bond movie Goldfinger, which Sean Connery starred in. So check out both of those. But continue, my dear. Yes, even though he has played James Bond, some might actually argue that Dr. Henry Jones is actually his most iconic role. I would probably say it's second, if only because he played James Bond for so long and that kind of, I would assume, really kind of launched his popularity. Well, yes, I assume that as well, and I definitely can agree. I don't make that argument. I just want that argument to be out there because everyone has their bond. You know, some people grew up with Brosnan. Some people grew up with Roger Moore. I'm sure there's someone out there who loves Lazenby. Oh, even I know that that's bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I've only seen, like, a couple of Bond movies. (laughs) He, He was fine. He just... He's nothing compared to the others. It's like comparing a C-plus paper to A-minuses and A's. There's no A-pluses in James Bond? There is. What, what's the A-plus for you? Well, personally, my A-plus is Brosnan. Ah, okay. Uh, again, Connery's my A, and then Roger Moore's my A-minus. What's the general... Because I, I don't have my finger on the pulse. We're getting off topic, sorry. But what's the general feeling on... Craig in there like is he one of the better ones or like average like what is the general consensus I think a lot of people have Craig very high a lot of people have him as number two behind Connery really that's okay I think personally Uh this is my personal opinion I think Daniel Craig is a great actor and a great action star Uh uh-huh I don't think he's a great James Bond Ooh, that's a hot take Throw the mic down, that's a hot take. I don't think he has that suaveness to him, which I think is immensely important for the character. So, personally, he's probably my number four. Okay. But, again, I'm splitting hairs, really. Right, 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 I get you. I was just curious, because I've only seen like a couple of the Craig movies, Goldfinger, and I think that's it. So, I don't really have a great finger on the pulse of the bond universe we will get there 
Oh dear. I will show you one of everybody's at least. Oh okay. That that should be good. Um. Anywho. This movie was directed by Steven Spielberg once again. Due to Steven Spielberg's commitment to this movie and the Indiana Jones franchise in general, he had to drop out of directing two pretty huge, ginormous movies. Big, which you still haven't seen. It's on my list. I can't believe you've never seen Big. I've seen bits and pieces. I know the story. Uh Uh-huh. But you haven't seen it, have you? Anyway, uh, also Rain Man he was going to direct. Also, I haven't seen You've never seen Rain Man? No. Rain Man's good. Uh, the story was co-written by George Lucas, but the screenplay was written by Jeffrey Bohm, who wrote the screenplay for The Lost Boys and Lethal Weapons 1 through 3. And once again, of course, the music was done by Mr. John Williams and had a Grammy-nominated score for this picture. So we've got all the correct pieces in place to make this a good Indiana Jones film. Yeah. Honestly, it's very funny. As much as I love Last Crusade, and I do, I do, I, l- I love this movie with all my heart and soul, it is sort of simplistic, especially compared to Raiders. It feels very much more like, oh, we have to get here to here to here with different action set pieces along the way. This actually feels a lot more action-packed than Raiders. I kind of felt like the action was like comparable, but really, I do agree that the, the plot is more simplistic. Like I didn't remember really any of the details that got us to the point we were in the cave with the the 700 year old night everything else that happened up to that like the set pieces and the actions i didn't fucking remember really because i think the story itself is so simplistic because the real focus of the story is the relationship between sean connery and harrison ford which by the way they played father and son but sean connery was only 12 years older than harrison ford which i find kind of funny that's always funny when they do something like that. Like, in Back to the Future, Crispin Glover, I think, is younger than Michael J. Fox. Well, yeah, that's different because in the beginning of Back to the Future, both Crispin Glover and Leah Thompson have old makeup on. And then when Marty goes back in time, the whole premise is that they're all supposed to be teenagers together. So it's kind of different. But I get what you're saying. It's been done. <laughs> it still is a great movie from start to finish. It definitely says something about Connery's performance that he was nominated for Supporting Actor in the Golden Globes, but lost to Denzel. So, I mean, oh, was what this, can you do? Was this gl- Glory? or Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, it's Glory. So I Exactly. <laughs> like, what can you do? This film was nominated for three Oscars and won one of them. It won for Best Sound Effects Editing, which was done by Ben Burt, who did all the sound effects for Star Wars. So, like, tip of the hat to you, sir. Yeah. And it was also nominated for Best Sound, and it was nominated for Best Score for John Williams, of course, but it lost to The Little Mermaid. Alan Menken. Oh, okay. Don't you dare listen. That's the best thing about that movie. I'm not a big Little Mermaid person, which probably sounds crazy because I'm a Disney nerd, but the score and the music are... Like, everything in that movie, so don't even start. Don't even try it. Okay, I will give you the score and the music in Little Mermaid. It's great. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. <laughs> but Little Mermaid. Under the sea. Under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. We will have to just agree to disagree, or else we'll be here all day. We're going to fight. Anyway, we're going to fight after the show. Uh, One more fun fact. Sean Connery was Spielberg's first choice to play Henry because, and I quote, he wanted James Bond as Indiana Jones' father. Ha ha ha. Which is exactly what happened, basically. Because, I mean, isn't Henry Jones just like a more bookish, academic version of James Bond? Um... I, I understand the point, and yes, Sean Connery kind of can't get away from it, but Henry Jones is not a fighter. He doesn't really throw a punch ever in this Right, movie. well, that's true. He never held a gun before. That was like a whole plot point. But, I mean, he betted like a 21-year-old leggy blonde Nazi lady. Yeah, they did do that. <laughs> but the the backup choice is quite interesting. Gregory Peck, most notably probably from To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
which I think would have been interesting. I mean, I love this movie for what it is because it's it's good and Sean Connery's awesome. But like, it would have been interesting to see Gregory Peck in that role. Yeah, I can't remove Gregory Peck from To Kill a Mockingbird. Right, because all I picture is Atticus Finch like running around, like <laughs> trying to like jump on horses and shit. By the way, speaking of Henry Jones jumping around on horses and like flying off of tanks and shit, this movie is so like very slapsticky <laughs> in a way, like more so than Raiders or Temple even. Like, yeah, it's got its slapsticky moments. Like at one point in the movie, we'll get there, but like I was looking at Indy and his father like interacting with each other. I'm like, is this an Abbott and Costello bit? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> What's happening? So. Are you ready to begin? Yes, dear, of course. Okay, let us begin. And we start off in the past. In the- Ooh. Oh, sorry, we're not in Spooky Month no, anymore. We're not in Spooky Month anymore. Henry Jones Jr., Indiana, is a scout. Ah, yes, we meet a young Indiana Jones, played by River Phoenix, which um, I wanted to mention, like... It was weird to me because through this whole sequence, which, by the way, I thought was a lot shorter than it ended up being when I watched it the second time. I was like, oh, I don't remember this being so long, but it was fine. It was really fun. But I did notice something about River Phoenix. He looks a lot like Alden Ehrenreich in certain shots, who, of course, if you don't know by the name, played Han Solo in the Solo prequel from a few years ago. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I think it's why Alden Ehrenreich was a good choice to play Han. Well, yeah, that's really the only positive thing people were saying about it for the most part is that he looked like Harrison Ford. But that's another whole story. We, we've talked about Solo before. Go listen to our episode on Solo. Yes, we keep plugging our old episodes here. Woo. But yes, River Phoenix runs into some scoundrels who are stealing a piece of history. And they are going to sell it to the highest bidder. And Indy, little young Indy's like, no, it belongs in a museum. Which, by the way, completely undermines the whole premise of fucking Temple of Doom. But we'll let that go because I don't want to get into Temple of Doom again. (laughs) Well, I think Temple of Doom, as much as it was a success, had at least somewhat of a backlash to the whole nature of how Indy acted. So they tried, they were basically retconning that. Yeah, they were. Which co- is fine, but like, yeah. He steals this golden cross. It leads to a whole train chase where he falls into a pit of snakes. Snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? I'm like, it all makes sense now. Childhood trauma <laughs> led Ex- to his fear of snakes. Exactly. He runs into a, a lion's cart, and that's where he gets his iconic whip from. You know, it's funny seeing all that because, like, prequels are such a thing now in just pop culture and movies in general and this is like the baby version of that we're like we have to find out how indy got his whip we got to find out how he got his hat we got to find out this just calling back to things in earlier movies it's like this is how you make a prequel the only difference is this was like a five to ten minute sequence and like prequels get stretched out for two hours Indy gets away, and he runs home to his father. He goes, Father, I, I've saved this artifact that now needs to be put into his museum. His father's kind of distracted. He's like, I'll be with you in a second, son. Count to ten in Greek. Go on. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And you know what's interesting, too? They don't show his face, Sean Connery, in this scene. But he's talking, so like you know it's Sean Connery, I would assume at the time of the fucking movie's release there were trailers in prominently featuring Sean Connery. So like why are we dragging this out? Well, <laughs> You I, can tell just by his voice that it's Sean fucking Connery. Well I think it's also because Indy's supposed to be like 12 here. So Sean Con- Oh yeah. So Sean Connery's not 20 years younger. <laughs> right, right, true. We okay. didn't have the de-aging technology yet. <laughs> imagine like how, how would they even have done that then they probably would have just recasted somebody who kind of oh, looked like yeah, Sean no, Connery you're, you're right absolutely they would just do what they did with Indy yeah oh that's so weird I didn't even think of that <laughs> my brain but yeah the cops show up and force Indy to give back the thing because apparently the dig was legal and these people now owned the artifact right and the like leader of the scoundrels or whatever is like you you got heart, kid. Like, you lost today, but that don't mean you gotta like it. And he, I guess as a sign of respect, the fucking head honcho gives 
Indy his hat, and that's how he got his famous hat. And they do like this cool shot where like the guy puts the hat on Indy, and his head kind of goes down, and then it comes back up, and it's Harrison Ford, and he's on a mission, and he's actually chasing after that same head on show to get the thing back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I have to admit, I always love hearing the Indy punch sound effect. <laughs> yeah. I know it. It just—it's just one of those sound effects. I just love hearing it. So, Indy has found this cross. He now has this artifact he's been looking for for years. So he goes back to his job as a professor, which he has been neglecting terribly. I, you would assume, right? I mean, but it's funny. It's supposed to be funny because he's setting up a whole bunch of things that he's talking to his class about. He's like, archaeology isn't about roaming the world and getting artifacts and da 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 da. It's about reading in the library. It's, <laughs> and a, it's like, okay, buddy. X doesn't mark the spot. Yeah, it's like, all right. All right, Indy. We see you. We know you're full of shit, bro. So Indy gets brought to this party by Donovan, who obviously is the villain of this movie. He kind of reminded me, both aesthetically and like vibe-wise, of the villain from fucking uh, the of Raiders. What was his name? Belloc. 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 Yeah, he definitely has strong Belloc vibes. So Donovan shows Indy this half stone that hints at the Holy Grail. This is a whole exposition scene that, I gotta be honest, in this movie, the exposition scenes, and there were quite a few, I was, like, kind of bored. (laughs) I was like, let's just get to the fucking point. So at the end of the scene, Indy's like, well, my father was chasing the grail his whole life, da-da-da-da, uh, why don't you ask him to help you find it? And the guy Donovan's like, oh, we did. See, he's already out there and he's missing. So we need you to find him. And, and he's like, well, why didn't you fucking lead with that? Like, your father's missing, you asshole. <laughs> he didn't say that, but I said that. And I was like, what the fuck? I understand your point. But in the same breath, yes, you have to set up the mission of the Grail. I think Harrison Ford does a good job because as much as, like, the grail is this fantasy and then we learn kind of split him and his father up he does a good job of when this mission is kind of laid out in front of him he gets these wide eyes and it's like oh my god this could be something huge here like that's that's always kind of been what makes indy special and then when he finds out his father's missing he grabs martin brody goes to his father's place and finds his father's journal on the grail so this leads us to start our adventure. So we must go to Venice. Yes, and we should mention that Martin Brody, even though he's just a museum curator and he was in the first movie. I don't even know if he was in Temple. No, I don't think he is in Temple. But he was in the first movie and he's never shown any signs of adventuristic things or anything. He's like, I'm going to go with you. Why? So I can easily get captured and be a fucking problem the entire time. Well, I think it's also because he is friends with Dr. Henry Jones. Right. So he's like, I want to make sure Dr. Henry Jones is safe and okay. And But you have no experience out in the field there, Brody. Like, you're just going to be a fucking liability. Hey, Brody knows 15 different languages. He <laughs> Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. That was actually really funny. Because I, again, forgot I forgot a lot of the details of this movie. <laughs> but anyway, okay, we're going to get there. Just let's, let's take it a step at a time. Oh, God. Okay, so they go to Venice where they meet Dr. Schneider. Oh, yes. Dr. Elsa Schneider, played by Allison Duty. <laughs> Duty. Duty. But um, fun fact, she's our romantic interest in this movie, and she's 21. And she clearly makes out with Harrison Ford, who is 46. And it's not shown on screen, but it's mentioned very prominently that she also banged (laughs) fucking Sean Connery, who was 58. Dr. Schneider says that she and Indy's father were working in the library in Venice before he disappeared. But Indy figures out that the crypt they were looking for was in the library. 
Which leads to him breaking the floor of the library, which I imagine the janitor coming in later and being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Damn it. But Indy and Dr. Schneider break into this crypt. Of course, Martin Brody is captured basically immediately afterwards by this group of grail protectors. Sure. Let's call them that. So they break into this crypt. They find the old knight from a past story who has the rest of the grail message so Indy can figure out where the grail is. He almost gets lit on fire. As you do. This leads to a boat chase. I feel like Elsa and Indy in this scene is trying so hard to be Indy and Marion because he's just like yelling at her like, Are you crazy? Don't go between them! But then you like sense the sexual tension or whatever. And like, there's not really. Elsa is boring. And it's not Elsa's fault. She's just boring, blonde, soon to be Nazi lady. Okay. <laughs> Her only interesting attribute is that she talks with a German accent. She's boring. <laughs> she's, she's fine. She's not... She has no personality. She's, she's... she's just leggy blonde with tits and German accent. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. Even Willie Scott had more of a personality than Elsa, okay? Oh. oh, Let it go. Let it go, get it? Uh, Babe, did you get it? I got it. Because Elsa is the name of the girl in the movie. I got it. That does the song, Let It Go. So I said, Let It Go, and it was funny. I get the joke. Okay, good. Good. We can move on now. (laughs) So during this boat chase, Indy gets a couple of guys crushed in between two boats. As you do. Eventually, he does grab a guy and is like, we're going to go into the turbine. Tell me where my father is. I liked that scene. That was kind of cool. And then the guy, he's like, my soul is just fine, Indiana Jones. How's yours? Like, he doesn't give a fuck. Fucking kill me. I don't care. I'm not telling you shit. He does tell Indy that his father is at a castle on the Austrian-Germany border. Uh, and they just let him go, which is odd. They, yeah, they just let him go, and they also let Martin Brody go because they had Martin Brody. Oh, right. But then he gets captured again in like 20 minutes, so who fucking cares? We'll, we'll get there. But He's that's... literally pointless in this whole movie. He's just like, oh, no, so-and-so is captured. We have to save him. Like, that's his only purpose in the movie. He's like a damsel in distress, but not a damsel. He's an old man in distress. So we get to the German-Austrian border where we get Frankie's favorite moment. Well, one of my favorite moments. So in order to like break into this castle and be all stealthy and stuff, Harrison Ford comes in and he starts doing this accent, right? And it was indiscernible at first what kind of accent it was, <laughs> to me anyway. But then I'm like trying to listen and it's, I think it's trying to be Scottish. <laughs> It is. But I'm like, why? Okay, first of all, why are you doing a Scottish accent if you're on the Germany-Austrian border? He's there to appraise all their tapestries. Oh, my God. Then why do any accent at all? You can be a normal person and do that. Why do you have to be Scottish? Like, if you're going to do an accent, then do a German accent or an Austrian accent. I don't know if there's any really discernible difference, but... I'm not a linguist. What I'm saying is, it's stupid. And the accent, it's not terrible. It's probably better than a Scottish accent I could do. But, like, it's not good enough that you have to go into the scene and be like, I'm going to do a Scottish accent because it's so good. How dare you insult Harrison Ford, Scottish bro? I don't think Harrison <laughs> Ford would give a flying fuck what I think, which is fine. He shouldn't. I'm just saying... Pick another one. I mean, I'm sure they probably told him to do that because they're like, Sean Connery's Scottish and he's your dad, so you should have the ability at least to do a Scottish accent, right? I don't know. I'm getting way too upset about this one particular part of the movie. The point is, it's kind of funny watching him try to do a Scottish accent. Well, my favorite, because the guy who like brings him into the castle is like, if you're a Scottish appraiser, then I'm Mickey Mouse. And Harrison uh, Ford punches him in the face. So... Harrison finds out where his father is, but realizes the front door is wired to an alarm. So he's like, okay, I got to go through other means. So he goes through another door and whips his way through the- Another door. Another door. (laughs) Sorry. Killer clown. It just hurt my brain. Okay, I had to say it. I'm sorry. I have a problem. Continue. So he whips his way 
around through the window, crashes into where they're holding Dr. Henry Jones, who then proceeds to hit him with a vase. Oh, yeah. And that was that whole scene was funny. He hits him with the vase, right? And he's like, what the fuck, Dad? Like, he hit me in the fucking face with a vase. And he's like, totally ignoring him. And he's like, it's a fake. <laughs> the thing is a fake. It doesn't matter. It's fine. And he's like, what the... F- I got hit in the face. <laughs> I, I, well, I thought you were a Nazi. The Nazis would come through the front door. Yeah, why would they come through the window, Sean Connery? <laughs> Let's think with our upstairs brain. Maybe he was still thinking about how he doodled Allison Duty. Well, he doesn't know that she's there yet. This does lead to the Nazis coming in and going, Dr. Jones? And they both raise their head, yes. I like the line he says at one point, Indy. He's like, Nazis. I hate Nazis. And I'm like, Haha, it's funny because he said that about snakes before. Yep. It's funny because Nazis are snakes. They are. <laughs> They do have a little back and forth because the Nazis do go, give us the book. And, of course, Dr. Jones would be like, he wouldn't be stupid enough to bring the book. Oh, my God. <laughs> and look into you like, I got the book. <laughs> it's so funny just because Sean Connery's like, you didn't, did you? Yeah, it was so bad. I said like, that- well, I came to rescue you. <laughs> Fine, I should have left you here in this Austrian castle, you old fuck. <laughs> and, of course, this leads to him going, Junior, and the... Uh, and he grabs the gun and shoots everybody. And he's Don't like, call me Junior. They run out into the hallway where Elsa is being held at gunpoint. Oh, this is funny too. <laughs> Fucking Harrison Ford's just like, let her go. And the, the Nazi that's holding her at gunpoint is like, I'm going to kill her. And Sean Connery's just like, okay, go ahead. She's a fucking Nazi. <laughs> she's one of them. Like, she's, They're not going to kill her. They want you to drop your gun. And of course, Harrison Ford drops the gun because he loves that pussy. <laughs> like literally earlier in the movie, before they went looking for Connery, they have their little love scene or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so cliche. It made me want to vomit. Yeah, Harrison kisses her. And well, she- no, first they're arguing. They're yeah. like, meh, meh, meh. that's why I say they're trying to be marrying an indie. It's like bullshit. Kiss, 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 kiss. And then they. How dare you kiss me? They go back to fighting. Then they go back to fucking, fight, fucking, fight, fucking. And then Indy's like, wait. Let's stop this. Let's do them both at the same time and save us some energy. Let's fight and fuck. Apparently, gets fucking. Uh, Indiana Jones so Twitter padded that he lets go of his gun and protects a Nazi <laughs> well I, I think it's more because he, he doesn't want to see an innocent woman he, uh, he just met get shot but she's a Nazi he doesn't know that but the dad said so <laughs> yeah but he doesn't listen to his father that's true <laughs> well maybe he should <laughs> well sometimes yes but he just as Frankie says he drops his gun Elsa comes over, takes the book, and is like, you should listen to your father. And uh, Yes, Indy, you should. They are captured. Then we learn that Donovan's a villain. Oh, my God. It's so surprising. I can't believe it. Which, if you think about this long enough, seems to not make a lick of sense. Why? He's a greedy businessman that he, wants he, priceless he, item. Well, no, he is a greedy businessman who wants priceless item. But then if the Nazis captured Dr. Jones, why would they capture him if Donovan's already working for them? Well, maybe because he wanted to, like, make it very clear that, like, he's got them by the short and curlies. So, like, you got to find it and bring it to me. I get it. it because if they found it on their own, they would just, like, fuck off with it and bring it to a museum. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but, yeah, so it, it just it's a little weird, like, the whole thing. It doesn't really matter, but if you think about it too hard, it's like, what? I mean, this is an Indiana Jones movie. We're not here for the logic, dear. We're here for the action. That's true. So they tie up Indy and Sean Connery. And this is where we find out that Elsa diddled both father and son. What a wonderful thing to bond yes, two and we, men. And we also find out there are pages missing from the book. <gasps> and they were given to Marcus Brody. <gasps> <laughs> and they're like, we can capture Marcus. Marcus is an idiot. Indy's like, oh no, Marcus it. is brilliant. He's got a two-day head start. He knows 15 different languages. He knows all the cultures. He'll disappear. 
Oh, I loved it. And then they cut right to Marcus Brody walking around in like some random area in the Middle East and just randomly going up to people asking if they can speak English. (laughs) His little white ass fucking suited English prim and proper gentleman ass. Let me make this clear. You have orthodox, unorthodox, and then next unorthodox. You're here! Oh, and he runs into our returning character, Sala. Sala, John Reese Davies, I love you. And he's got a little fez on because, you know, fezes are cool. That's a Doctor Who reference. Yes, I understand. Sala's like, okay, let's go wait for Indy. Uh, this leads to some Germans coming and trying to bring Brody in. Sala realizes that they're bad guys, so he's he like whispers to Brody, run. And he just stands there like a fucking idiot. Run! He says it multiple times. I'm like, why is Sala the fucking like, hero in this situation? Sala is supposed to be the comic relief, and he's telling your dumbass to run. Like, what are you doing? Sala fist fights these n- Nazis, and Marcus Brody runs into a fake building and gets captured immediately and driven away that was kind of funny then we cut back to ford and connery and this bit where they're tied to the chair in the room and everything this is the most abbott and costello bit in the movie with them first off as they're tied to the chair indy goes okay i have a lighter in my pocket can you reach it dr jones gets the lighter tries to burn the ropes Drops the lighter, lights the room on fire. <laughs> Connery goes uh, to Indy and he's like, um, Junior, and the fucking room is on fire. <laughs> Look, and he's like, oh, fuck. Okay. And then they like, they try to like wriggle around and they're trying to talk to each other, but they're like s- screaming like over their shoulders and like the wrong way. It's so stupid, but it's so funny. Like so obviously Abbott and Costello-y. Oh yeah. And it's so silly. And then they wriggle over to the fireplace, the empty fireplace. But it turns out that the fireplace is like a trap door into another room. The fucking back wall of the fireplace like swivels with them tied to this chair. And then they go into this secret room filled with Nazis. <laughs> and they, of course, get shot at. It's like a whole fucking song and dance. There is a great line from Sean Connery. Because Sean Connery has a lot of good lines here. The first time they go around the fireplace wall and come back into the fire, they goes, Our situation has not improved. And I'm like, ah, oh, Sean Connery. But yes, this does lead to the Nazis coming for Jones. And, uh, you know, of course, both Dr. Jones and Indiana get away. And uh, this leads to a motorcycle chase where there's some jousting with a giant flagpole. Sure. (laughs) Why not? Of course, Indy and Dr. Jones get away. Now we get to a fork in the road, which why one area send points you to the Middle East, the other area points you to Berlin. I mean, let's not let's not think about that too hard. Doctor Jones tells Indiana, "We have to go get my book in Berlin," and he goes, "Why?" He goes, "Because there's stuff in there that's important to the hunt for the Holy Grail." And he goes, "Well, what is it?" Well, it talks about the trials. Well, what are the trials? I don't remember. That's why I wrote them down. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but, and, he, and, and he's like what about marcus we have to fucking save marcus and he's like oh he'll be fine <laughs> it's like the guy is incompetent yeah we do find out that at one point yeah marcus got lost in his own museum yeah like what are we doing here as much as their relationship is very slapsticky this also does have kind of a good family moment yeah because it does have where Indiana goes I've never understood your obsession dad neither did mom Oh. and Sean Connery goes your mother understood throughout the whole movie with their relationship you kind of get the sense that like yes Indy resents his father for the way he grew up yada 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 but at the same time it's like we're not so different you and I <laughs> you know but this leads to them going to Berlin where Dr. Elsa has the book and it's a book burning happening indy comes dressed as a nazi basically almost chokes her is like give me the book he takes the book from her she's like that's what you came back for why would he come back for you Yeah, like what are we doing here lady like that whole thing oh god i don't like elsa elsa is so boring and she's so like you guys had sex one time and then you tried to like burn 
him and his father alive, but you think he's going to come back to save you. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> this also leads to a little slapsticky moment where he gets caught up in the crowd and bumps into Adolf Hitler. As you do, I guess. Well, he is in Berlin, so <laughs> Nazis. And uh, Adolf Hitler signs the book. And Indy is now off to the Middle East. And the way we decide to get to the Middle East is by blimp. It just seems like we're going to throw every possible form of transportation into this movie that we haven't used yet in the Indiana Jones franchise. Yeah, so both Dr. Joneses are on the blimp. And of course, the Nazi colonel who's been... like trying to like kill them this entire time gets on the blimp finds dr jones and is like ah herr jones and indy walks up behind him dressed as a steward and is like ticket and the colonel turns around to like i don't need a ticket i'm the head of the nazi army and realizes it's indy and indy punches him in the face and throws him out the window and uh, Scott brought up to me that, and he says a line that reminded me of a particular line from my favorite Kevin Smith movie, Dogma, because Kevin Smith says the same line in that movie as Indy throws the Nazi guy off of the blimp. He looks at everyone else who's looking at him with very frightened looks, and he goes, No ticket. And then everyone else on the, on the blimp is like, Oh, here's my ticket. I have it. Don't worry. Don't throw me off the blimp. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a funny moment. When Kevin Smith does it as Silent Bob, because it's the only line Silent Bob says in Dogma, when he throws Ben Affleck off the train, it's like, no ticket. It's just, it's a great little callback. It's, it shows you how much Kevin Smith loves movies, too. True. But yes, we have another father-son moment where Indy and his father talk about that his father was never there and he only cared about people who were dead for 500 years and not Indy. And his father's like, I gave you independence. <laughs> he let you grow up as a single solitary man. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and Indy was like, we never talked, like, ever about anything. And uh, he, and, and Shankar is like, well, what would you like to talk about? We could talk right now. And Indy's like, I, no, I can't think of anything to talk about. And he's like, then what are you complaining about? And it's like, oh, my God. Like, this is a mess. <laughs> it, it's just, they, again, it's a fun little dynamic between the two of them. And he's like, Especially one other line, which is another great line. He goes, you left when you were just getting interesting. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So they do get found out on the blimp. This leads to a plane chase and crash. Oh, my God. Like every chase known to man is in this movie. (laughs) It is. Sean Connery does kill a Nazi driving a plane with seagulls. It's a cool moment. (laughs) Okay. So we get to the Middle East finally. Yes, we are finally to the Middle East where we meet up with Sala, who is driving a little buggy. They catch up with the Nazis who now have a tank, cars, camels, and horses. And the rest. And the rest. And this is, of course, our fight scene slash some comic relief from Sala. Because Sala's car gets blown up and he goes, oh, that was my brother-in-law's car. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> oh, Sala. Oh, Sala. How I missed you. This also does lead to the Grail protectors also shooting at the Nazis. And Indy goes, okay, Sala, we need to get horses. Remember, horses. But what about the camels? No, no camels. camels. <laughs> He's very specific about no camels. So Henry eventually finds Marcus Uh, on this fucking tank and they have this stupid secret handshake which is supposed to be funny but it's just silly and it leads to them getting captured by nazis because they were so busy dancing around like fools that they got caught by the nazis exactly and of course indy and gets five horses and sala comes out with five camels and he's like a good line there. He's like, I told you no camels and you bring five. Do you know how to count? <laughs> and he goes, where's my father? And he goes, oh, your father's in the tank. He was captured. God damn it, Sal. <laughs> <laughs> so now Indy kind of goes to the tank and climbs on top of the tank. And we have like a weird moment where 
I don't know what it's called, but like the little telescope thing that's sticking out of yeah. the thing. And the Nazi's inside looking through it. And Indy is getting beat up by some other fucking Nazi and he falls into the telescope thing. And the fucking Nazi down below is just seeing a smushed Harrison Ford face in his viewfinder. And he's getting very giddy, like almost like a little turned on by a smushed Harrison Ford face. It's like, sir, keep it together. We're in the middle of a high-octane adventure here, and yeah, you're getting all Twitter-padded over smushed Harrison Harris. Ford face. Yeah, he does get a little too happy about yeah, this. Yeah, le- legit. It's weird. But anywho. So Harrison does eventually kill like most of the Nazis, and the colonel and him are fighting on top. He does get Marcus and his father to come to the top of the tank. Marcus gets knocked off the back of the tank. His father falls and almost gets caught in the treads of the tank. Ha ha ha, it's so funny. <laughs> Slapstick. But he is saved by Indy whipping his foot and Sala grabbing him before he falls. Now, as Indy is still fighting the colonel on top of the tank, the tank goes over the cliff. Oh, yes. This is a really, like, intense moment. So the colonel, the Nazi colonel or whatever... And presumably Indiana Jones go over the cliff in this fiery ball of fire. And Marcus, Sala, and Henry Jones are standing at the face of the cliff looking down. And Sean Connery gives, like, the most sincere, like, heart-wrenching line after, mind you, like, 80% of this movie so far has been hijinks and silly slapstick galore with uh, with him and his son. But as he's standing at the foot of this cliff looking down at what he thinks is his son's like fiery demise, he says, I've lost him. And I never told him anything. I just wasn't ready, Marcus. Five minutes would have been enough. His performance of just that one line, like kind of stops you dead like oh shit this is real (laughs) like this is a real father-son relationship here guys it's it's funny because i know you said uh gregory peck before but i don't know if he could do all of this the slapstick and then cut to this like emotional like this is an emotional line right and it's it's just that's why i feel like it's so fucking crazy because it's literally one line because even the father-son moments that have happened up to this point They've been father-son moments, but there has always been kind of like a twinge of like sarcasm or humor in there of some sort. But like this is a point where like he thinks his son is dead. So it's kind of hard to make that humorous in any way. So like we're just left with pure like heartbreak and shock. And it's like, whoa, you really feel it just in that one line. And then, of course, it turns right around because... Indiana Jones, of course, is not dead, and he very disheveled looking and filthy and exhausted, clearly, just like saunters over to the three guys and looks over the cliff like, what are we looking at, guys? And and Sean Connery turns around and he gives his son a big hug. He's like, I thought I lost you. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, But then, you know, it's funnier even more so because as soon as he hugs his son and sees he's alive, he's like, all right, let's go. Exactly, because let's go. We got shit to do. Because <laughs> if the Nazis get the Grail, evil wins. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just so funny because yeah, Henry falls to the floor because he just survived a fucking tragic fucking thing. It's so fucking funny. Oh god. So now we go to where the Grail is. We are in the tomb of the Grail. Yay! And both the Nazis, led by Donovan. And Elsa and Indy and his crew are there. And Donovan's holding them all by gunpoint. And he's like, he points at Indy, he goes, we need you to go get the grail for us. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not getting you the grail. He goes, okay. And he shoots Sean Connery in the stomach. Oh, uh, yeah. That was, and it, again, totally forgot that was a thing that happened. I don't know why. That's a pretty major part of the movie. But I totally forgot that happened. So I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> 
then evil Bellic slash Donovan guy is like, oh, uh, now the only way to save your father is by the power of the grail. <laughs> and also they do a thing where like Elsa is appalled that, they, that he would shoot uh, Sean Connery. He's like, she's like, oh, no, why would you do that? And it's like, bitch, please. <laughs> I slept with him. Stop trying to make Elsa's character like a character. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> it's just funny it's just it's there could have been more but again we had 18 chases in this movie oh god like you're telling me that this bitch was on this whole like mission this all-encompassing serious mission to get the grail right and she clearly plays very low down and dirty to get what she wants right she's sleeping with every tom dick and harry she's (laughs) She's, you know, running around with evil fucking Bellic wannabes. So, like, clearly she's down to do whatever to get this grail, right? And, it, like, we make that pretty clear throughout the entirety of the film. But you sleep with one guy. Granted, it's Harrison Ford. But you sleep with one guy one time and you're like, oh, I can't betray him. How could I ever do such a thing? Like, please, shut the fuck up. Well, Harrison. Stop trying to be a person. You're a Nazi. That's it. All right? Stop it. Clearly, Harrison's the best dick she's ever had. Well, I don't doubt that. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm sure Sean Connery wasn't a bad lay either, but you don't really, <laughs> you're not really trying to defend him necessarily. You're just like, I want Indiana's dick. So you're like, I'm going <laughs> to act appalled as this guy shoots Sean Connery. It's like, d- d- why? There is a great, another great line on the blimp that I forgot to bring up where... He, they're talking about Elsa, and John Connor goes, "I'm just as good as the next man." And Harrison Ford goes, "I was the next man." Ew! It's literally like a soap opera. That's something that would happen in a soap opera. That's something that has happened in soap operas. Like it's so. Ugh. Although I mean, like if I, I mean I wouldn't do such a thing. But if I was gonna sleep with a father and a son, I could think of a worse duo than. <laughs> Than Sean Connery and Harrison Ford. Well, yeah, I guess anyone, if you're sleeping with 1989 Harrison Ford, I guess anybody would really be down for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's Harrison Ford. Yeah, let's let's be real. But anywho, but anywho, so there are these three trials before you get to the Grail. One is basically ducking a, a saw. The other is jumping from tiles spelling Jehovah, which in Latin, Jehovah starts with an I. Yeah, so that's a whole thing. The first two trials are um, pretty run-of-the-mill. Like, it's it seems very much like a typical kind of Indiana Jones-type trap situation. Yeah, like, the, booby trap. Exactly. But um, what makes it more interesting is that while Sean Connery is outside like bleeding out like he's very obviously concerned about his son and he's like going through the trials in his own head and like because he's bleeding out he's like uh sporadically like saying disjointed things connected to the trials and it's they keep cutting between him and indiana and like he's thinking the same things that his father's thinking so it was kind of a cool way to show their connection yes even in this really perilous and bizarre situation. But when we get to the third trial, that's personally my favorite, and it's, I think, the most memorable moment of the entire film. Yeah, there is a giant chasm. And Indy can clearly see the exit on the other side. Right, and the, the purpose of the trial is to take a leap of faith. So he's like, oh, fuck, I just have to, like go for a walk across this fucking gaping hole in the ground okay and he sticks his foot out really like dramatically and steps down and it's a really cool shot because it shows indiana like falling onto this platform seemingly but it looks like he's just standing in midair and then the camera like tilts a certain way and it shows like a very narrow bridge across and it's like an optical illusion that like it, it makes it look like there's nothing there but there really is a tiny little rock bridge there it's it's such a cool and interesting shot i just love that oh yeah it, it it's very good of course indiana knows the other people might not make it so he does throw a bunch of sand onto the optical illusion dispelling it right 
Uh, and we get to the tomb with our 700-year-old knight. Because that's a thing. Well, he's been drinking from the grail. Right, right. So he's lived a long-ass time. So Harrison comes in. The knight tries to swing at Harrison Ford. His his strength has gone away in the 700 years he's been down here. Understandable. And uh, he's like, oh, okay. As Where does he pee? What does he eat? Like, I don't... I mean, he actually doesn't have to eat if he's drinking the fucking water from the Holy Grail. But, like, where do you pee? You have to pee. Do you pee in one of the fake grails? Are all of those fake grails filled with pee? Well, clearly they're filled with nothing. So where does he pee? Into the sand. Ew. Or the, into, it's like a litter box, basically. Or into the chasm. Fun. For 700 years, it would just be like a river of piss down there. Well, dear, piss does dry at some point. It does just stay there. <laughs> this is a weird conversation. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> so, of course, Donovan and Elsa are there. And they since they have followed Indy, who has defeated all the trials... And they're like, oh, there's so many grails. Which one could it be? And the knight is like, you must choose wisely. That knight is uh, quite a meme. Yes, Looks he- like he belongs in fucking uh, Mossy Python. <laughs> a little bit. He's not as bad as uh, the black knight. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that then? I've heard worse. <laughs> but your whole arm is off. No, it isn't. <laughs> so Elsa's like let me pick it she picks this nice shiny golden grail hands it to Donovan Donovan takes the cup drinks from the cup and it's not the right cup you have chosen poorly <laughs> and then he fucking dies and it's like oh Elsa you saved the day kind of because you killed the bad guy Ooh, yeah, Don- now you're a nice person okay yeah donovan, i don't care <laughs> Do- donovan ages like extremely fast and turns into a skeleton so now it's indy's turn to pick from all these chalices yeah and he just goes right up to elsa and they're like discussing like which one was the right one and it's like really like okay this whole like magical turnaround with Elsa is so uninteresting. I don't care. But anyway, Indy picks <laughs> the least ornate one. Yeah, because he's like it should have been built by a carpenter. Hey, because you know Jesus. I don't know, but <laughs> well, Jesus was a carpenter. Yes, well, it's so clever. So he picks up like the boringest looking one. It's made of wood. <gasps> if anyone got that reference. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, he drinks from the cup and the knight says that you have chosen wisely. So does this mean that Indiana Jones is now like... Immortal? No. Not immortal, but will now live longer. I guess, right? I, You know, like, because now he has drank from the cup. So will he hypothetically live... Let's say his normal age range would have been like 90 to 100. Will he now live to 130? Maybe, I don't know. We'll never know. Well, maybe. Maybe we will in Indiana Jones 5. Something tells me we won't. But, yeah, so that's a thing that happens. And then Indy grabs the cup, takes it outside, and uh, gives his father some water from the cup and pours some of it on his wound. And he's all better now. Yay, Sean Connery's okay. Cool, we love that. But then Elsa, that bitch Elsa steals the fucking cup and it's like we must run away indiana jones we're gonna have the sex and be together and live forever because i got this magical cup here right and indiana jones is like no elsa don't take the cup the knight told us we can't take the cup out of the tomb because it's a no-no and she almost does and then the whole fucking cave collapses on them and she falls into like this chasm in the ground and she goes in there chasing after the fucking cup. 
And Indiana Jones makes a grand leap across the fucking floor and grabs her and is like, Elsa, I can't hold you. Stop reaching for the fucking cup. I'm trying to save your life, you dumb bitch. And of course, she's like, I want the cup. I want glory. Because <laughs> I, again, am evil Nazi lady. And I can't be trusted just because I killed a bad guy for some dick. But Indiana Jones eventually does drop her into the great unknown. And she's presumably dead. Yay. One less Nazi in the world. But Indy does fall down and his father grabs him before he falls. Yes, this is the shit that really matters. So he grabs uh, Indiana Jones and he's like, uh, and Indiana Jones is again reaching for the cup, which why? Well, I, I think you have to look at it this way. I think the cup is also kind of magical. It draws you in. So because they now know the cup, it's like it's a magical artifact, if you think about it, that I guess would cause Indy to not think straight. And maybe, maybe, but we didn't establish that really. So I, I don't know. It seems very eh to me, but I'll let it go because the movie overall is fucking great. So whatever. So it leads to this magical moment where Sean Connery basically accepts Indiana Jones for who he is by calling him Indiana. Yeah, because the whole time he's been calling him Junior, and Indy's like, fuck that out, out, Junior. Indiana? Indiana? Let it go. The way he changes his tone, too, is really interesting. Like... Before when he was holding on to Indy, he's like yelling at him, Junior, Junior. And then all of a sudden he just like completely softens his tone. He's like, Indiana, Indiana, like really like calm and chill. And he's like, just let it go. And then he lets like, Indy's like, okay. And then Sean Connery's able to pull him up. But I was like, oh, this is so good. (laughs) It It is so good. It is. It is a really great moment. And finally... But then in five minutes, he goes back to calling him Junior. <laughs> yeah, well. Because fuck it, you're my son, damn it. I can call you whatever I want. <laughs> I've, I've accepted your thing, but you are a junior. They do escape the tomb. Sala, Martin Brody, and both Dr. Joneses are st- sitting out there. They get on their horses. He goes, okay, Junior, let's go home. And Sala's like, why do you keep calling him Junior? He goes, because that's his name, Henry Jones Jr., and he's like, I prefer Indiana. And, he, he, and he's like, we named the, the dog, dog Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> and the best line, it like basically ends on this. Indiana Jones is like, I had a lot of fun memories with that dog. <laughs> it's like, oh, jeez. And Martin goes riding off and they have to go chase Martin. Yeah. Like, Martin, why why are you even here? We, The only reason you're here on this adventure is because the lady in the movie was a fucking Nazi. So she couldn't very well be a damsel in distress, could she? So we had to have you here as the damsel in distress. Just know your role, sir. Don't go bucking up on some horse and running off into the distance. So we ride off into the sunset, and that is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yay! It's a fun movie. It is fun. I had a good time. Like, will I say it's better than Raiders? No. No, I like Raiders better. But... I think Sean Connery and Harrison Ford do an amazing job as a father-son relationship that is strained, but they do love each other. And the whole adventure is still a lot of fun. Indeed, indeed. As much as I love Gregory Peck, I can't picture anyone else in this role but Sean Connery. And same thing with Indiana Jones. I mean, Harrison Ford made that role. So it's just a, a great marriage of awesomeness seeing them together so frankie what did you rate indiana jones and the last crusade i gave it a four out of five very respectable yeah it's definitely uh, i would say my second favorite of the franchise yeah and it will stay that way something tells me that is true (laughs) because again next month we're gonna watch kingdom of the crystal skull and i've actually never seen that before so i'm a little scared (laughs) oh boy uh that's another whole that's another whole can of worms that I'm almost not ready to open yet. But uh, uh, what did you give this out of five, Scott? I have it as a five out of five. Well, alrighty then. I love I again, Raiders and Last Crusade are two of my favorite movies of all time. 
I've watched them both a lot. <laughs> and I think the chemistry that Harrison and Sean Connery show is what carries this movie. And I would watch this again tomorrow if it was on. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies that like you can put on probably at any point and watch it through and enjoy it. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. So, next week... Oh, next week. Scott's going to show me a movie, and I think I'm going to cry. I know you're going to cry. Oh, no. I'm very emotionally fragile. I really don't know if I want to cry. Well, you're going to cry. Oh, man. Okay. Well, that should be fun. (laughs) That should be fun, not just for us, but for you as well. Yay. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm... Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. Please, if you will, vote for us for Best Podcast of Long Island. Get the info in our social media. Yes. And um, make sure you come back next week for our tear-jerking, heart-wrenching movie adventure. Junior. I think you're a Nazi, baby. Are you a Nazi? You might be a Nazi, baby. You keep extensive files on the